0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Today is our 6th week as we've been looking at the subject of the I ams of Jesus. The series is called The Cross Before Me, The Cross. Everybody say the cross. Before me. And so we've been looking at the different things that Jesus said in the book of John when it came to these I am's. And he said, today we'll be looking at I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm not wasting no time. Let's stand to our feet. I got a fire in my heart this morning. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now. And I just want to jump right in the word. Usually I like to have a little cute, fun little thing to say, but I don't have nothing to say. Cute. Come on. "'Simon Peter said to him, to Jesus, Lord, where are you going?' And Jesus answered him, "'Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward.'" Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. you, you, you know, like, Peter's the ultimate one that just like loves to bow up, you know? Like, yo, I cut that guy's ear off. You know what I mean? That's just Peter. That's why he's one of my favorites, because he's just, he's kind of a doofus like that, you know? And I love that. That, that means I got hope, right? That's Peter, man. He's just, getting, but, but he's like, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? I mean, he's like, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm giving you everything. you everything, Jesus. Will you? Am I? Will you lay your life down for me? Jesus answered. Will you lay it down? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me. Not once. I mean, one time I messed up. Two times. Well, you know, I mean, I kind of, three, three, that's a choice, right? But I, I'm going to tell you right now, man, I've made those choices too. I, I, in different ways in my life, I've denied him too. I have, every one of us. How, how many here has ever in some way, action? Maybe not an action, maybe something of omission, you denied him in some way. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all in the same boat here, amen? I'm not going to look down too much on Peter. But he says, the rooster will crow three times. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you stir our hearts today? Allow us to realize that we're at a crossroad culturally in our, in our country. We're at a crossroad culturally in the world. And Father, the church needs to be something that doesn't try to catch up. We need to be leading the way and making differences in people. Lord God, help us to know what that looks like in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's Go ahead and have your seat. So this whole series, we started off with just the idea of the cross. And I told you that when you look at the cross, number one, it's a place where Jesus died to self so he could live for you. How many in this room, you're happy that Jesus died to self, his will, so that he could live for you? Amen? I mean, I don't know about y'all. Maybe your marriage is better than you ever thought possible. Maybe maybe you're going through something, you have peace that you never thought possible. Maybe like like in Nathan's situation, man, restoration came like he didn't think was possible. Man, there's some good things that happens when we're connected to God because he died to live for us in some, some sense. But also, the cross, the Bible says that we carry our cross, we pick it up and carry it every day, daily. So the cross also is the place where we daily die to self so that we can live for him. And that's what Jesus was looking at when it came to Peter. Like, like okay, really? Are you going to die to self? No, 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 Peter. You're going to deny me three times. Now, I want to say from the beginning of the sermon, because some of this stuff might be a little tough today, a little hard today. I want you to understand from the beginning that Jesus never pushed Peter away. Amen? And when Peter recognized, repented, came toward Jesus, did he just welcome him quickly? Man, held nothing against him. I mean, literally became the one that the church, the first preacher of the church that saw thousands come to faith that first day of Pentecost and God's spirit used Peter. So I'm thankful that when we do go through life in certain ways where we live almost like in a denial, whether in action or in omission of our Jesus, that he still can use us. Amen? Amen. Thank God for that. It's a place where we daily die... self so we can live for him. And God began to put a fire in my soul this past Tuesday morning for this Sunday sermon that has just intensified through the week. And Amy and I were up early doing our morning devotions and I'm reading the scripture and, and man, my heart just started to stir, just begin to, to think about Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. And, and normally in my devotional life, I don't get into sermon prep. Okay. So I'll just give you a little insight. Um, picture of this so i created something years ago because i would find that in my devotions i would get a stirring for a sermon and then i would put my devotions away i pick up my laptop and the next hour i'm writing what you all need to hear right i think this is the reason why a lot of pastors um are never shaped by the gospel they preach Because they're always designing, creating, preparing for you all. You guys have to understand, when it comes to you guys, Jesus has already beat me over the head with it soundly. You know what I'm saying? In a loving way. And and that morning, I'm looking at this scripture. And and so what I I do is I'll take my journal and I'll write things in my journal that do end up in my sermons. Most of the time, that's kind of how that works. But I don't jump right into the the sermon prep because I'm going to miss the nuance of what God was trying to do in my heart. And I believe the nuance of what he was putting into my heart was a prophetic edge. It was a prophetic edge. It was something that he was placing, a thus saith to his church kind of a word on Tuesday morning that continues. to grow and so today I believe is not for those in this room that are satisfied with the spiritual climate of today's church in light of shifting cultural norms I believe that this morning is a prophetic cry from the throne of God to those who are ready to rise up and follow Jesus faithfully in spite of every opposition and lie am I preaching to the right crowd or not in here all right, and I, and I get that. Now listen, sometimes when you preach a prophetic word, it's not going to be for everybody. Amen? You want it to be for everybody. But Jesus would say things like this, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And so I'm saying to y'all as the, the, as the church here, and if you're a non-believer, if you're a guest with this, man, include you. And just jump in on this word. Amen? I love that. It's like when I hear something that is a prophetic word from somebody else, I'm like, I'm going to receive that too. I'm jumping in on that, you know? So get, get this. This is for all of us, okay? But it comes down to that point where where we're not satisfied with the way culture is going. We're not satisfied with the way the church is going. There's got to be something better. There's got to be some ground. I don't even call it in the middle because in the middle always sound like status quo. But when I think of the middle, I think of the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer reaches into the things of God and reaches into the things of the world and brings those things together. Amen? And there's got to be a church that is willing to reach into the things of God and walk holy and walk after all that he has, reach into the things of this world that may be as crazy and messed up as it can be, and draw those things together. Amen? One of my closest friends, I've told you before, is a drug addict. And and man, he is walking free the last few months. And this series is helping him do that. Doesn't get to come to church, but he listens to it online. And I don't water a thing down for that man. I go hard with that man when it comes to the things of God. And I I even had a friend tell me I was wrong. And that he knew the approach to go at him. And so he shows up with his six-pack. And then goes and hangs out with my friend. And takes my friend further down the rabbit hole. Because what in the world does the business this guy have taken to an addict, a six-pack? All I'm taking to the attic is the Word and love and life and pointing to Christ. And now that man is walking after the things of God like he hasn't in a long time. Amen? I'm, I'm sorry, but all I'm trying to get at is that you don't have to go clear into the world to reach the world. Amen? There's something about us having a real connection with God and a real connection with the lost and drawing them together. And in the midst of that, we're the priesthood of the church. Amen? Not ugly, not haters, not some Haiti lady. There's a lot of Haiti ladies in the church, you know what I'm saying? Not some Haiti lady, no, no. We're we're the priesthood of the church, standing in the middle of the things of this world and the things of God. That's what I want, because y'all, the world is getting crazy. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? until you've denied me three times. Persecution came to him, or at least perceived persecution. In that moment... Peter thought, what will happen? They just took Jesus away. They're going to crucify him. And so in that moment, he begins to deny. I don't even know him. Aren't you the guy that was with him? No, no, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Listen, I am preaching about how Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and how we are quickly in our country and in our churches losing our way, amen? Because everything is considered truth, Everything is considered truth. And if we keep going down this path, it will be the death of our society. Amen? And that's... Perceived persecution is what what Peter was worried about. Okay, and 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 really, to be honest, I mean, he could have really faced some serious persecution. I told you a couple weeks ago about a friend of mine that I'm trying to coach along, another friend, and I'm showing him the word, and I'm saying, this is what the word says. I've already seen you time and time and time again not live this thing out, and it's messed your life up, and it's messed other people's lives up. Would you let me help you live this out? Would you let me be your pastor? I'm not done being your pastor yet. Will you let me shepherd you? No it's not what it said. It's, it's thank you pastor. Yes. I want your, you're my pastor. You'll always be my pastor. I want you to shepherd me. I want your help. And then ghost, ghost, ghost. Why? Because conviction, conviction, conviction. All right. And the word is we're persecuting him or I'm persecuting him, you know, or, or you're a bunch of hypocrites looking down on me. Amen. No, I'm trying to help you. And that is like two weeks ago, I said, you call that persecution? Y'all, persecution's coming. If that's persecution, we'll never make it as a church. I'm saying the big C, not momentum. We'll never make it when the real persecution comes, amen? And y'all have been in my church, many of you guys, almost 15 years. I don't preach like that. I'm not an end time, doomsday kind of preacher. Like, woe is us. You know that, right? Amen? But guys, I also can't put my head in the sand either. Come on, right? Right? And we need to look at this today because persecution is coming. Real persecution is coming for those who look at Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Who want to follow what this word says. Real persecution is coming. This week, I get a call from a friend. A guy. He's not allowed to see his grandson anymore. This is persecution, guys. I mean, You may not look at this as persecution, but this is persecution. He's not allowed to see his grandson anymore because his son and his daughter-in-law drew a line. Can can I say it this way? They drew a tolerant line. Isn't that crazy? I'm I'm, I'm labeling that. Why is it that those who tout tolerance are the most intolerant people ever? You know? I, I don't get that. They drew a line in the sand. And what the line of the sand was this, your four-year-old grandson, you will not refer to by his given name, but you're going to refer to him by a feminine name. All right, we'll say his name is Bob. You're going to call him Bella. You have to call him Bella because he wants to be a girl. Four years old, people, okay? Four, four, four. He wants to be a girl, so you're going to call him Bella, can I say this? I had, a four, I had two four year old boys that aren't four anymore. Grant and his buddies, when they were four, and Mac and Gabriel Johnson, when they were four, they. That's <laughs> what four year olds do. There's no testosterone, there's nothing running through them yet. That, I mean, that, they're, you, they're just they're going to play with dolls and they're going to put a dress on. You know, I mean, maybe you didn't, I did. I had an older sister, you know, I look fabulous. (laughs) It's it's being a kid. It's being a child. Four-year-olds don't have no clue, y'all. Four-year-olds don't have a clue. And I'm not gonna say maybe I have a disposition. There may be a disposition. One of my best friends in the whole wide world had a disposition raised by a single mom. His disposition was very feminine, okay. And you know what? When it came to the housework, when he was married, he did the laundry. He, he did the, the, the stuff with the kids. He cleaned the house. His wife grew up on a farm. She mowed the lawn. She'd be on the roof fixing stuff. They've been married about six months longer than Amy and I all these years, five kids, you know. But you know what? Just, I'm not saying not a disposition, okay? I'm not saying that. But to coach a disposition is abuse. And that four year old is being abused. And so, The parent not only is being told, the grandparent, you have to call him Bella, refer to him as he or as she and her, okay? Four years old, she and her. And when you refer, don't forget to wipe your pee-pee. You have to call it a vagina. He wants his pee-pee to be referred to as a vagina. My five-year-old daughter can't even say that word right she says china (laughs) i'm serious and she's got one she's so cute we go into a room one day she's crying i don't know who told her this because i know we hadn't had this talk with her yet she's crying what's wrong baby she's i don't want a baby to come out my china Oh, poor thing, poor baby, you know. But she's five and she's not even, but no, no, very articulate, very clear. They're telling him, you will refer to his private area if you have to as his vagina. I'm sorry. That's the tolerant line in the sand. And so here's the other side of the line. If you don't, you cannot see your grandkids not just him, but you can't see the other two, and we will not have any relationship with you at all. Now, equally, if that boy was 14 years old, can I tell you this right now, and struggling with same-sex attraction, equally, it would be a sin and would be wrong if that granddaddy said, I ain't having nothing to do with him because how he is, I'm staying clear of that, that's not of God. It'd be equally just as wrong. Amen. You got to know your, heart, the pastor, your pastor's heart. That would be equally just as wrong to not be compassionate and loving as a boy is trying to figure out what's going on in life. Because life is crazy. And it's getting even crazier in our, in our society and in our world. Okay? Does that make sense? <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm just going down this one more time. One more little thing. It's on in the notes. Grant comes home from school, you know, last year. And he's like, Dad, they, 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 they keep getting, you know, well, you know you're gay. There's a couple gay friends, a couple of, yeah, at school, a couple girls and stuff. Well, you know you're gay. Look at your hair. You know you're gay. Look at how you dress. You know you're gay. Look at how you talk. You know, you're expressive. And I'm like, you're not gay. You're a wise man. I told him, I said, every man in your family, my dad was a hairstylist and would whoop your butt, you know. My, my granddad, every hair in place. I mean, that, you know, it's like talking with your hands. I'm sorry. This is, this is what we do, you know. And we had that conversation. He likes girls. I'm just saying, if he didn't in that moment, that's a conversation that we would have and it would be based out of love. Amen. It would be based out of leadership, not succumbing to cultural norms, but holding up the word, put the word in love. Amen? That's a little further than I want to go today. But all I'm getting at is, this is our culture. A bunch of people looking at things and going, come on, come on, come on. It's the thing. It's the way to go. This is it. This is, come on. And I'm not talking about uneducated people. This man's kids, literally, I can't, I'm not going to go into details, okay? But one of the most brilliant people, not just in his college in America literally like who he is crazy crazy brilliant kid you know all sorts of rewards all sorts of of scholarships crazy crazy amazing kid you know and he thinks it's okay for his four-year-old to have this kind of thing and to tell his dad and and mom no you can't have connection so this man and his wife they prayed through it. it took three days to fast and during the three days, they felt this. They were reading in Matthew. We've all just been reading in Matthew. And they felt in Matthew, we can't deny Jesus. And Jesus said that you'll leave houses and homes. Jesus said that fathers will turn on brother, or sons and sons on fathers and brothers against brothers. That's heavy, isn't it? Jesus said, I don't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. And, people think of that idea of a sword to to kill people no it's, it's a divider it's I'm a divider he is a divider truth and fiction truth and false is diametrically opposed there's a division between the two amen life and death diametrically opposed there's a division there's a sword if you will between the two amen that's persecution guys they love their kids, but they realize they can't succumb to those wishes and honor Jesus at the same time. They just can't. They love their kids. Their kids will not allow them to even be on the line. They want to be. John 14, one through six. This passage continues. So we start in 13, now we're going into 14. Right after he says that Peter will deny him three times. He says, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. He starts that off by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Guys, what does that mean, troubled? It means this, we're going to go through some stuff. My friend right now is going through some stuff. It wasn't five minutes after that phone call. God is my witness. Five minutes after that phone call, I go into a counseling session with somebody, and I won't, again, say any details, but their heart is broken because they're 28-year-old is transitioning and basically is a boy who wants to be a girl, but he wants to date girls. Okay. So he wants to date strong women. I'll just say it that way. He used different words, but I want to date strong women. And, and so, literally within five minutes of one conversation, or another, and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is the world we live in right now. And that is not to look at that man as, as he's bad, amen? No, it is an environment, it is a culture, it is something that this counterfeit, if you will, spirit of what will bring happiness is pervasive and permeating. And what's sad about it is over and over and over again, it brings pain and hurt and destruction. My heart goes out to that young 28-year-old man. He's I like, know what he's looking for, he's not going to find happiness at the end of that. God, please don't let him mutilate himself or anything before he finds out that this isn't going to bring him happiness. And I know this is a dividing kind of conversation. I hope, I hope you can understand my heart and we come back to that place where the gospel is good news, amen? We don't want to be a people that's hating on people. We just want to be a people that holds the word and welcomes people into life. Jesus, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But guys, I believe not just the world, but the church at times, we've lost our way, we're losing truth, and we will lose life if we keep this up, amen? Amen. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Everybody say that, way, truth, life. Go ahead and say, I'm the way. Say it one more time, way, truth, life. Way, truth, life. Way, truth, life. This, is, this is who Jesus is. I am the way, the truth, and life. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus that is the one that we follow, all right? And, and Jesus is good. We know that he's good. And I'm not saying Christ followers have followed him well. There's so many times that us as Christ followers have followed him poorly. And it has caused hurt and pain in our, in our world. Amen? But here's what's happening. Can I just give you a little bit of cultural stuff that's happening? A, a fellow student in one of our church girls' classes just last week said that a girl stood up in her class and said this, nothing has done more harm to America. This just broke my heart because I do believe some of this is true. But not true for the same reason. I believe it's true for this person to say this because they're looking at the worst. It's true for me to say this because we can live better. Okay? So what is it? Nothing has hurt America more than the white Christian. Now, I don't say that to make a racist thing. I'm thankful that we have brown folk and black folk and Asian folk. We got a little bit of everybody here. I wish we had more people here. So here's the thing about that. She is lambasting the white Christian. It won't be too many months, years, I would say generations, but it's going so fast to where it'll be Latino Christian, it'll be black Christian, it'll be anything that has the word Christian on it. Amen? So it's not a white thing. I'm just saying this white girl standing up in class, it was a white girl, this white girl standing up in class saying nothing has hurt America more than the white Christian. I mean, let's just say nothing has hurt America more than the church. No. But here's what that is. I get it. I totally understand her sentiment because she is creating a straw man because she's learned to do this from a whole lot of other people. And a straw man is something that you create. It's a construct that you can then destroy. Here's the problem. The straw man of the Christian is being created that down the road, I don't know how long. I want to say generations, but like I said, I don't think it is generations. I can't believe the transition in culture that's happened in just 20 years, 10 years, five years, okay? So this straw man that is the Christian is being created so that it can be obliterated, that it can be pushed out, that, that this straw man that is this Christian is a violator of civil rights, is a hater, is one that only wants to be capitalistic and take. That's what this, this is. And if we can create this, then we can destroy this. It's a straw man, and they're trying to tie Christianity to every alt-right, hyper-nationalist that puts politics and hate before the purpose of the gospel. Now, that's the worst of us. That's the worst that would label themselves Christian, this straw man that they persecute. And to be honest, there's some folk that deserve it. When you think of like Westboro Baptist Church, and I even hate to call it Westboro Baptist Church because I love some good Baptist. Westboro is not good Baptists. I don't know what they are. But that's not, that's not the Baptist church that my mama grew up in, you know. All I'm saying is that idea of hate, I get it. And they're latching onto that and they're building this straw man argument that that is the church. And guys, can I just say, if that's what we allow it to become, then you're absolutely right. That is the church. But man, I would love to see us be a powerful group of people that are released into the world with signs and wonders with with healing in our hands is what the bible says healing in our hands this last week where you prayed and you poured an opportunity to speak life an opportunity to speak hope an opportunity to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover that's what jesus did he went everywhere that he went preaching the bad does it but if we don't do it then guess what the West boroughs get to have the identity that is the Christian church. It's time for the real church to take it back. For us not to be afraid of the power that's within us. We learned two weeks ago the resurrection power that's within us. Let's start acting like it, moving like it, seeing God move and do a powerful thing in people's lives. Something that's undeniable, something they can see is the heart and passion of God. And yes, God, when He intersects our lives, He begins to change things. We are a for certain come as you are kind of church. We just will never be a stay as you came kind of church. Amen? Never. Be patient with people as they grow, as they develop. Be very patient. We, do you know two weeks ago we had a young man that wasn't a believer playing drums? And he's been in a relationship with, with people in this church for months and months and months, coming to Turning Point and being connected to, to that group and being connected to Pastor Brantley and Hannah as they're speaking into their lives. And, and he's hearing this drum as a non-believer. There's churches that would never let him come in here and play. But you know what? Two weeks ago when we preached on resurrection power and on the idea that he is the resurrection and the life, this boy found life that day. Amen? Amen. Evans, his name. Found Jesus that day. Amen? So yeah, so we're not we're a come as you are kind of church, amen. But man, we're not a stay as you came kind of church. God begins to do a work, begins to change people. It's so powerful. <clears throat> so Jesus, said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And like I said, we're losing that way. The straw man argument's taking place. And I'm looking for a room full of people who will not allow that straw man argument to win. That we will be a people of the word. That we'll be people that love fully and love deeply. And that we'll be like priests that get into the midst of our culture and our community and make a difference. The thing that troubles me is that because of that straw man, that society is building up all those who proclaim Christ. And they're being labeled with that. And the church's influence is being diminished more and more, more and more. So the way, the truth, and the life. Can I just throw something out here? When you, when you look at the way, the truth, and life, you know, you start to think about some of the, the opposites. At least I do. If I if he is the way, what would be the opposite? Many paths. Many paths. He's the way. There's many paths. There's a lot of ways to get to heaven. There's a lot of ways to, 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 to grow. It's okay. All of it matters. All of it counts. All of it. And so there's many, many paths. And if, if we go to this idea that there's no particular way, then that means that there's many paths. And if there's many paths, then guess what? There is no absolute truth. Does that make sense? This is called And so with that, there are, are, are no absolutes. Who are you to tell me I wasn't born a woman? Well, your DNA tells you that you weren't born a woman. You know? Now, compassionately, we want to help deal with that in your life. We don't want to sit here and, and castigate you, put you away. We, no, you were made in the image of God, and he loves you. And in your brokenness, well, I was born that way. You might have been. Can I say that? Your pastor just said that. You may have been. Even David in Psalm 51 said, in my mother's womb, I was born in sin. I was formed in her womb in sin. Every one of us, because of the sin nature, is broken. And there's people with propensity for alcoholism. There's people with propensity for all sorts of stuff. Amen? And so all I'm saying is, if it comes down to this idea, there's no, there's no one way, there's many paths, then there can't be any truth. There has to be no absolutes. You do you, boo. Right? Just you do you, Whatever. And here's what happens. The anarchy of the soul takes place. The anarchy of the soul. My mind, my will, and emotions standing with no moral compass, relativism, nothing, nothing is an absolute, and the anarchy of the soul takes place, and if a country allows the anarchy of the soul to dominate, the anarchy of the culture and the country will dominate someday. It'll, It'll happen. Rome, Greece, the European nations back so many years ago, the anarchy of the soul led to the anarchy of, of 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 society in general. All right, relativism is the doctrine. I like that it says the doctrine because it is. It's a doctrine. It's a belief system. That knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. So in other words, whatever we decide is truth becomes truth for us. It's, it's the truth that we espouse as a community. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says because there's no absolutes. There's no absolutes. This past Sunday, one of our Assemblies of God churches in Texas, they made a giant leap from biblical orthodoxy. A giant leap, and obviously because it's outside the plan, outside the word, it's outside our 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 policy, if you will. They have stepped away from the assemblies, but I'm just saying they made a giant leap from biblical orthodoxy, and have left a church movement, the assemblies of God, that for since 1914 has really tried to hold the word as the preeminent orthodox, orthodoxical um, 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 truth that we hold to, hold to. Okay. Orthodoxy is the belief that we hold true. That's that's all it is. It's the com it's the shared belief that we hold true, and we see that it's rooted in Scripture, not opinion. All right, ortho that word ortho. You guys know orthodontist, orthopedics. Ortho means to make straight. That's all it is. It's to make straight or to make right. It, you go to an because you got crooked teeth, and they're going to make them straight. Your bone needs to be repaired so an orthopedic will set your bone. It makes straight. So there is a doctrine that is from the Word of God that we see that all of us look at and say, hey, that's what the Word says. That is our statement of faith. That's what we hold as truth. It doesn't matter what we feel. It's what we hold as true. But orthopraxy... something else. Orthopraxy is correctness or orthodoxy of action or practice. And what the pastor said last Sunday in his pulpit is although we can't come to an agreement on orthodoxy, we will in this church come to an agreement on orthopraxy. How we're going to practice what we collectively had decided and their board, their leadership team along with the pastor made this decision and we're going to practice this as a church. It's our practice. And what broke my heart here's what he said. He said we we must have consistent practice despite our varied beliefs. And I get it. There are varied beliefs that we have in this room, all right? But there's some things that are so black and white in Scripture that they don't deserve a varied belief. It's what the Scripture says. And so we can't line our practice up with that, uh, anything less than what that says, all right? So he's saying basically orthopraxy or action and practice as we determine it is more important than the biblical doctrine of the word of God. So even when you've stepped so far outside of what the Word says, man, you've got to be able to hold the Word as the the, the defining factor. It's the truth. It's what Jesus shows us as truth. I really want to go into Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, but I'm not going to read it all. If you go to your your mymomentumchurch.tv app, you can get in there and read some of this this week, okay, along with your other scriptures. But he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance just means lack of knowledge. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You can read the rest of that on your own. But this idea of, of, of allowing our minds and our culture, and is trying to get into the church, and I'm seeing it more and more, and we've got to be careful that, no, no, the life that he's brought us into is a life that's to be lived both in orthodoxy and orthopraxy according to the word of God. I'll give you an example. If, if when it comes to the idea of no absolute truth, this is a $20 bill. And if I was to give you a $20 bill and it was fake, you wouldn't receive it as truth, right? You wouldn't. There, is, that an, is there an absolute to a $20 bill? Yeah, we know on a $20 bill, if you hold it up, there's a little watermark of Jackson over here in the corner. We know on a $20 bill, if you hold it up, it says USA and the amount of, 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 of dominate denomination that this is, right? And a little tiny, you hardly can see thread that goes through it. We know over here in this bottom corner, if you flip it like this, it's copper and gold on it. It says 20, but it, it changes colors. And there's a handful of other things. All I'm saying is if somebody handed you one of these that didn't have any of those, it wouldn't spend you would say, no, I'm not receiving that. Why? There's absolutes, right? Well, no, it's, it's fine. Take it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just, it'll, it'll be fine. No, eventually, it's taking from somebody. Eventually, it's robbing. Eventually, it's wrong. It's counterfeit. Does that make sense? So there are markers that say if this is authentic or not. The same way. Truth isn't subjective. But what happens is, the Bible shows us, oops. Wrong color. We have to play this out, right? If we're going to play this out, you go from way, truth, and life. And if you want many paths, if, this is the, if we're playing this out, way, the opposite is many paths. Truth, the opposite is no absolutes. And then life, the opposite is what? 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 This is what the world doesn't understand. You can reject the way. You can reject him as truth. You can push away from his life, but it leads to death. And when I was saying that this won't spin, you'll go broke. The Bible defines life as the abundance of life. In John ten ten, He comes to give life and make life abundant. But He, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And destroy. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to counterfeit something, to begin to steal. Take, to, no, no. There are absolute truth, truths to kill and to destroy. Here's what's wild about that. It doesn't say that, that something kills and steals and destroys. It says the enemy. It doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, I know the way, I know the truth, I know the life. He says what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So if on this side is Jesus... And on this side, the one that steals, kills, and destroys is the enemy. Do you all think we're in a battle? Do you think we're in the battle? This isn't isn't just something pastors making up. And what's sad is this has been the process of Christian nations throughout history. And you know what? God will just kind of move on. I'm not saying he he draws near to those who draw near to him. He'll just move and God will do a great work in South America. And God's doing a great work in China. And God's just killing it over there in Africa. And, and we want that, that. Why can't the fires of revival burn in one place and keep burning in others? Because we get complacent where they once burnt bright. God wants that fire to get back in us. And not a fire that gets a hold of politics. That's what pastor's saying. I'm going to stand further over here on the right, and I'm going to get even more ugly. No, no. A fire that causes us to have a gospel, good news, passion that allows us to walk holy before the Lord and sees us touch people's lives in a real tangible way to where they undeniably know that the love of Jesus is for them, no matter what is going on in their lives. Amen? Here's the thing about this. Many paths lead to no absolute truths, right? Which ends in death. That's what happens. And that's what's going on culturally. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said, I've been with you so long, and you still don't know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does. I gave you a quarter when you came in. Pull that quarter out because we have an opportunity to give forth the image of the Father to our world. And if you leave this sermon today thinking, Pastor, wants you to be Westboro, you have missed the whole point, amen? That coin has two sides. It has George Washington on one and an eagle on the other, right? I want you really quick for about five seconds, try to get one of those off of there. Like, just, just, just rub, just best you can, just get, pull it right off of that coin. Just one of them, I don't care which one, just pull it off of there. You're not going to be able to. Here's the thing about this, guys. We have an opportunity to do better, to love better, to live better, to, to be who the representation of God is in the earth. And I don't fault that little girl in that lady's classroom that said the church has hurt America. I don't fault. It's time for the real church to rise up. And what I mean by that is to represent our God because just like this coin has two sides, but it's still one coin, our Heavenly Father has grace and truth all a part of the same coin. And what happens is you can try to get one of those off and you would be successful if you took an angle grinder, wouldn't you? And this is what happens. People take an angle grinder spiritually and they mar one side. You mar one side and say, it's all about truth. No, you're marring it. You're getting ugly. You're turning into Westboro. and You're, you're, mar- it's, you're losing the quality of, of, of the coin. You're lo- you, it won't spin anymore. You're losing it because you're marring it. And that is wrong. That is, that is no, tr- grace and truth. But on the other side, if you say everything goes, I'm just gonna go and, 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 and I'm not sitting here speaking against drinking, okay? I'm just, that's another sermon, smile. <laughs> but I'm saying when you know somebody is an addict and you're gonna go take a six pack to them, come on. That's taking grace and marring that side of the coin. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So And guess what? That coin won't spin. I'm just tired of the church being broke. That's all. Taking counterfeit stuff and trying to pass it off. Will the real church rise up? Will we be a people that are full of grace and full of truth? And truth hurts sometimes. I get it. But the grace is so beautiful and so wonderful that you're in the middle of it, you know, with those people, whatever they're going through. You're right there in the middle of it with them. Mm. I just don't want the influence of the church to be broke any longer. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. I want us to sing one thing together. This will be the last time we do this in this series. But I want you to sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Just one more, this next verse. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, amen. This week, as you go, I need you to take time with the Lord, all right, and ask the Lord, how am I going to live out grace and truth in my world, amen, because the way, the truth in life is still looking to lead people to Father, amen, amen. And what our practice this week is this. Everybody was given seven cards. I want you to invite people to church. Amen? Invite them to church, especially on the first Sunday of March. Come the first Sunday of March. Get people to come the first Sunday of March. One person a day. There's seven cards. That's your action. If you believe he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you believe that our world is getting crazy, and you believe even some Christians in church are getting crazy, we need to be a place that's wanting to reach people. Amen? Amen? Not just the lost, but the poorly churched. I'm being honest, because there's a lot of poorly churched folk. And so we need to be a people that is helping people understand both orthodoxy and orthopraxy according to the word of God and draw them into a relationship with Jesus. Amen? So that's, that's your thing today. And then um, reading scriptures from John 8 to John 14 this week, one chapter a day, as we continue in this 50-day journey. And then, and then um, um, next Sunday, we'll look at I am the vine. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.